Welcome to Diversity Conversations, where we engage in thought-provoking dialogue to identify leadership solutions to today's most challenging conflicts. Stream live each week, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m., hosted by diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist and CEOs Eric Ellis and Tommy Lewis. Join us and add your voice to this engaging diversity conversation. Good morning, Greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, the United States and the world. My name is Eric Ellis and I'm the president and CEO of Integrity Development Corporation. And I'm joined this morning by my good friend and brother, Tommy Lewis, president and CEO of Make It Plain Consulting. Good morning, Eric Ellis. Tommy Lewis, man, what's happening? Hey, man, nothing much is happening. It's a great Saturday once again. Looking forward to this conversation, uh, reaching folks in real time, and maybe we, we'll be reaching some folks after today's uh, conversation, but all is good. I'm very, very blessed and happy to be with you this morning, Eric. You know what, Tommy? I love that part about the show, man, that it's like the show that keeps giving, you know? Yes, we have a great time here together, you and, he, you and I. And then all of a sudden, man, throughout the weeks, uh, people get a chance to go back and take a look at some of these shows, man. And I'm grateful that they are a blessing, oftentimes because of the, the guests that we might have or some of the content that you and I are sharing or some of the things that are happening in the chat. And so we're delighted. Uh, we had to make some adjustments today. So we hope that our uh, you know community is uh, able to join us here. But Tommy, let's start off by just talking about how was your week? My week was... Uh... Very, very aggressive this week, Eric. Okay. We're continuously being blessed to partner with organizations in the academic space, the government space, the private, as well as the nonprofit space. So our portfolio of partners has expanded and continue to expand so much so that uh, we have been conducting a, a number of organizational climate assessments. Okay. Organizations have really been deciding to pause and get the pulse of their organization right and it's not just leadership telling everyone else what the organization organization is but getting the voice of the customer the internal customer which are the employees the staff the workforce as well as the external customer okay clients customers and community members and so we've been doing that man and having a lot of fun uh, uh really listening and learning without having to be in the environment. Mm. So it is what I, lo I love the exercise that you use with regards to uh, fishbowl exercises. Right. And so we are absolutely facilitating fishbowl conversations. And uh, we are able to ascertain from the outside looking in, from those who are inside looking out, combine that information as well as with uh, some data Right. Always pulling together policies, procedures, protocols, and practices. Right. And um, ultimately providing recommendations that the organization themselves have identified as recommendations. Okay. Right. So it's not just coming from the outside. You know, we've only seen your company or known your company for about two days and we know everything. No. You right. Say, You've been working there for 30 years. That's right. How do you fix these problems? Mm. And it works. And okay. it works. Eric. So that's how my week has been one after another after another. I am happy that it's the weekend, but we've had an aggressive week. 
Right. How about you, E? I like that term, aggressive week. <laughs> That's a, a nice way of saying sometimes we get steamrolled. We literally, poof, I mean, we just get steamrolled. And what's funny to me, uh, Tommy, is that all of these Zoom uh, conference calls and video calls, man, are allowing you to see a window into how that client sometimes is looking on the other side. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, people are disheveled, man. I mean, there's just hair everywhere, you know, and you can see that sometimes that's even on Monday that they yes, just been, you know, steamrolled. And I think all of us in many ways are being affected by how much time we're uh, spending on screen time. Uh, but I, I like you, Tommy, I'm grateful for the work that we're doing. I refuse to ever complain. I'm uh, enjoying continuing to learn new skills. We are doing some cultural assessments right now as well. And I'll tell, tell you, Tommy, you know how important it is to me. I know it's the same with you to hear the voice of the employee, the authentic voice of the employee. And we'll do almost anything necessary to try to make that happen, man. So we were, uh, you know, uh, talking to a client, sharing, here's how many people uh, completed the survey, you know, just on a daily basis, giving them feedback like that, screenshots, and then going on site and, and handing out surveys, man, and let the employees know your voice matters to us. And so I'm grateful that we've had a chance to do some of that. I went to Minneapolis this week to work with a new client. And uh, a couple of executives were missing from the session. But following the session, they got so much positive feedback from everybody saying, you missed it, that uh, they now want to uh, engage more fully, uh, more robustly, and want to get their entire workforce engaged. Mm -hmm. And so, Tommy, I'm grateful for that. We are now putting together sometimes phase three proposals that look at how do you really begin to institutionalize this work, Tommy? And I just think that that's so important. And you and I are, are focused on not just being consultants that are outside experts, but making sure that we're putting people together in ways that they can solve a lot of their own problems. And so I'm just grateful around that. Uh, I love the, the family that I have. Every time I get a chance to say it, Tommy, I'll just remind the world, our community, how much, how important it is to have people close to you that you love. And just this morning, man, my wife and I were talking to one of our children, man, and just affirming them for who they are and not allowing the stress of the moment or uh, relationships out there in the world uh, determine who you are. Uh, and you've got sort of a backstop. You, you've got a, a safety net in many ways, Tommy, that's going to be there for you no matter what happens. And I said to uh, my son, just like God is our safety net. Uh, and I, I can't say this enough. My wife says that whenever I am working on something new in business, Tommy, something that I don't have as much familiarity with, she sees me have to lean in more heavily on my faith and on God. And she likes that look. And it's uncomfortable, Tommy, but I would say, man, that is where it all is. It all lands in the hands of God. We do the best that we can, but at the end of the day, after we've given all that we can, then we have to trust in our higher power. Absolutely, Eric, and I, I appreciate you sharing. Uh, and, and I wanna circle back to what you said about organizations institutionalizing this work. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Great question, Tommy. So what we know is that when we start talking about inclusion, 65% of our effort oftentimes is put into fixing people. 
So everybody wants to sort of do that uh, diversity awareness. Uh, now it's unconscious bias. Sort of do the one training. And the research says that 70% uh, of our uh, effectiveness comes from working on our systems and our processes. So we believe that you have to engage in both behavioral and structural change. And so uh, I love that fact. And so what, what we've been doing, we have a three-phase approach to this work. Phase one is really giving them an opportunity to sort of get some foundational uh, education, helping the leaders to understand what inclusion is and talking about achieving sustainable inclusion. We then conduct uh, the IDI, uh, Intercultural Development Inventory. So we'll give them a sense of how they perceive themselves in terms of their intercultural competence and how others might perceive them. And then we pause and say, okay, hey, how did that feel? Talk about it, let's evaluate it and decide if you wanna go further. They oftentimes, most often come back and say, yes, we need more. And so we'll move to phase two, which is more of a, a sort of, let's do a, a deep dive into your current state to understand it. And what I love, Tommy, is that we are doing that through employee perceptions, but then also studying your systems and processes. So we will then do an inclusion survey that has three sections. Section one asks all employees, what are your perceptions around your sense of belonging, your sense of whether your voice is being heard, and do you feel included? Uh, section two then asks questions more about fairness and equity. Do you feel like you're being paid fairly? Do you feel like you have the same promotional opportunities as other people? What kind of feedback are you getting? Is that fair? And then section three, we call uniqueness. It's actually a demographic sec uh, section, but demographics throws people off. What we're saying to people is everybody's unique. And what we wanna do is be able to uh, confirm uh, the best case scenario that everybody is feeling great and it's the same across everyone. But we know that that's not the case. And so we're looking at organizations by uh, department, by level, uh, by race, gender, sexual orientation, uh, age. We're looking at all those things and then making some comparisons. Uh, and so then, uh, Tommy, we look at that data and we get a sense of where employees' perceptions are by group. Are there any statistically significant differences between groups? But the beautiful part, man, is we chase that with a systems and processes inventory where we're looking at promotions, representation. We're looking at pay uh, uh, you know, across groups. And then we're able to oftentimes confirm that some of diverse groups sense that there may be inequity actually is played out by the data. Sometimes we see that they have a perception that they're not getting uh, the same opportunity and the data sometimes says that they're moving you know, faster, certainly at lower levels than others. So it's a beautiful process to go through. We then end that with looking at an executive summary of their strengths, their gaps, and our recommendations around what they should do. And then, and then phase three, we do sort of a DEI priority setting process where we're really working with the leadership, the diversity council to set the priorities and to look at the maturity models and really begin to build that two to three year plan. And so Tommy, it's been exciting to be able to move with organizations in this type of strategic fashion. In phase two, we're also, so, so we do the systems and processes, that whole piece, we do the current state analysis, 
but we can currently educate the rest of the workforce. I forgot to say that. So in phase one, we're educating the leaders. In phase two, we're doing all this current state analysis, but we're also educating the rest of the workforce. So you get this top down, bottom up kind of approach, which I think is necessary to establish accountability. So everybody's singing from the same sheet of music, if you will. Yeah, what I hear, Eric, uh, is a number of things. One, I hear that the work of DEI, particularly with integrity development, that you all uh, are utilizing uh, many decades of knowledge, of education, of experience to be very strategic around helping employees and workforces really navigate DEI issues, concerns, or challenges as well as developing skill sets and competencies to sustain uh, any change or outcomes that they would like to have. Right. I also hear the strategy from an institutional or organizational perspective where companies can now put together a game plan, a blueprint for success. Uh, although change will happen when there's a strategy in place, we can go to the strategy uh, Sometimes if, if the people or the personnel change, we had that strategy, that plan. Excellent. And I also hear that the work that you all are doing not only assesses the organization or the people, but from a intercultural inventory perspective, right? right? It will look at the culture of the people and the culture of the organization to say, you know, like you said, does do the perceptions of people match up with the data? Right. Right. And that's a great approach. The last thing I will say that I hear, Eric, is that not only is this strategic, I heard that it was it's more or less surgical. These are beautiful surgical, surgical incisions, right? Not to create a gaping wound. That's not right. what it is. Right. It's, it's sometimes to repair. Right. Some organizations, Eric, and we know, we can have those cancers, if you will, in the organization. And they have to be surgically uh, cared for. Right. right. You just can't throw a Band-Aid on there or you just can't throw any salt on a wound or you just can't open something up that hasn't been opened up in the past. That's and right. People are not prepared to deal with it. Mm. We have to be with surgical, technical expertise. That's right. How do we do this work? So it's not just staying at a Holiday Inn Express and thinking we can do this, <laughs> right? Right, right. No, no. I love all of that assessment, Tommy. It's one of a sort of a, a wise uh, you know, observer that recognizes these processes. Uh, and so you and I are operating in surgical ways. And so what we start in phase one by trying to gain buy-in. And so when we have a, a leadership session and one or two of the leaders don't show up, oftentimes, Tommy, that's because they cannot, they cannot even fathom a scenario under which spending a day with talking about DE&I would be valuable. They can't even see it. And so they, you know, <laughs> you know, catch yeah. COVID for the week, you know, and uh, uh, and then he have to hear from others that, wow, you know, and I would say that we want that learning to be enjoyable, Tommy. Now, sometimes 
uh, marginalized groups are like, what? We don't want them to have any fun or enjoy it. Kick their butts, get them together. Well, no, we got to make, we got to set the kind of environment that people will want to continue this conversation and come back. But by no means is this a, a light thing. What I've discovered, Tommy, is that when you create environments that are psychologically safe, where you've built this sort of standard around transparency and honesty, then people begin to really tell the truth around one of some of the struggles that they're facing. And that's going to be necessary if we're going to move through to these uh, next steps and, and continue the coaching that's needed to help people make good decisions as we go through this process. But it's, it's, it's been enjoyable. Uh, you know, I'm certainly having a lot of fun at what we're doing and seeing clients that are beginning to embrace this notion of progress and uh, trying to be successful around DE&I because it's going to help them be successful as an organization. One other thing I'd share, Tommy, that is really a new revelation to me, breaking news. I'm going to say this for everybody that's watching, this breaking news. Oftentimes, we only think about the leaders and the executives from the standpoint of them being the holders of power who are then creating these toxic environments that everybody else has to live in. Breaking news, Tommy, sometimes the environment is just being allowed to be created and the toxicity or the out of balance is actually affecting them as well. Wow. It's affecting them as well, Tommy. And so that's the place that we're getting to is where we're beginning to get the kind of transparency from leaders and executives that they're sort of saying, me too. I'm burnt out. Uh, I can't see my family enough. Uh, I've got to work through the whole weekend in two or three different time zones. And this is not working for me. That's the part that we're beginning to see, Tommy. And when, and that's why it's so important to not just come with a hammer, to not just come with, with harsh rhetoric, but a listening ear that says that you and I are safe enough that people might even be able to tell their own truth. And so sometimes that may be a part of the engine that drives them to create an organizational culture that's more fair, equitable, and safe for everybody else. Eric, this is uh, some heavy lifting already this morning. Uh, and and if, if you're watching via the platform community, uh, I would recommend and advise that you replay the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes of our conversation this morning. And the reason why, uh, let me give you another analogy. If, if you are searching for a home or you're searching for an automobile, a vehicle mm. to purchase, Come on now. Or you're, or you're searching for a, a college to attend, to get your degree, to move you to the next level. Not a high school diploma, but a particular degree, a bachelor's degree or a graduate level degree. And, and if you ask someone about purchasing a car and they themselves do not own a car, <laughs> they may not give you the best, best advice. Right. If you're looking to purchase a home, and you're talking with someone who's never owned a home, mm. never gone through the process, they may not give you the best advice. If you're looking for someone to graduate from college, right? And that person 
hey, I, I don't know what college looks like. I've never applied, never gone to it. Right. You may not receive the best advice. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that you won't receive advice. And it may not, it, it may be good advice, but it may not be the best advice. Mm. If you listen to the first 15 minutes of our conversation, you were receiving some of the best nationally and world-class experience and advice from Eric Ellis. You were really seeing that. You saw the energy and the passion that he was sharing in his truth based on decades of experience. You, you saw his vulnerability to be able to circle back and say, I missed this. That's a part where we're doing because he works so fast, works so strong, so committed to people and organizations that he partners with that all that he does is not always captured in a sentence or a paragraph. You got to circle back. So again, if you listen to what we're sharing, there's a process, strategic, analytical, and holistic. There is a, there is, there are pauses in the process to allow the partner to say, we're right. good. Right. We can take from here. Or, That's right. Or we, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Oh, absolutely. There's much more we can take the deeper dive. Right. At the end of the day, if you want to be a winner, partner with Eric Ellis. If you want to be a winner, I'll throw my name in the hat as well. I'm a team player, right? Put me in the game, coach. We're going to talk about winning today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Tommy. Man, I really appreciate that. That's so honorable uh, of you to, to say those kind things. And uh, community, we care deeply about this work. We care about you. We talked a little bit about uh, the work that we do professionally. We now want to open up this conversation around being a winner. And I was looking at uh, sort of these qualities from uh, uh, Jeff uh, Zanetti, uh, wrote an article uh, last year and provided 10 qualities of being a winner. And, and part of the reason why Tommy and I were thinking about this today is because we're in a winning town right about now. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. If you ain't from Cincinnati, you might not just feel it like we're feeling it right now. We got the Bengals at seven and four. We have the UC Bearcats at 12 and oh. And we need this one today, don't we, Tommy? You see, I got my, my Cincinnati stuff on. We are trying to go to the final four in football. And uh, history has already been made. I don't think we've ever had a football team that was 12-0 here in Cincinnati. And, Tommy, what I want – here's what I want you all to, get, to grasp from this conversation from Tommy and I. Tommy and I have been athletes, ball players. We played on championship teams. We work in, uh, and love our families and trying to build a championship love within our families. Uh, within our businesses, we're trying to work to be winners inside of our business. And so we want to sort of just uh, enter into this conversation thinking about today and how critical it is in Cincinnati and tomorrow, but thinking more broadly about you and your life. And so uh, sports, business, life, family, what does it mean to be a winner? Tommy, I'm going to start off with the first one and then just ask you to react to this. A winner doesn't make excuses. What does that say to you? Well, it takes ownership. A winner takes ownership of things that go right and things that go wrong and everything in between. 
There's no time for excuses. And a winner doesn't waste time on things that just don't matter. Excuses don't matter. Did, did you get her done or did you not get her done, right? And so that's what it talks about. It talks about ownership and accountability and responsibility. For, so hopefully, and more or less, the winner doesn't give excuses, Eric, such that they can make immediate changes and revisions and, and, and redirections, mm. right? So you, you have to be accountable. Go back to the tape. Go back to the video to see what happened and not do it again. That's why winners don't make excuses. Right. Tommy, give us an example. Uh, well, let me say something about that. And then I want you to give an example. I'll give you some time to think about it anyway. It, whether it's in sports or whether it's in your family or whether it's in business, and maybe you can think about an example of that while I'm just uh, responding to this as well. A winner doesn't make excuses. Uh, that's the way I grew up. My father wasn't accepting no excuses. Yeah. Uh, if he asked you to do something, then he, he expected that to be done. Uh, he didn't want to hear when he got home why the garage wasn't clean. Didn't want to hear none of that. You sitting around, uh, you know, making popsicles. You know, you used to make popsicles out, you know, out of Kool-Aid, throw it in the freezer. You know, but he want to hear that. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, working my first job that he took me to, he said, son, you're 16 years old. You now re represent the family. He said, I want you to be a hard worker. He didn't want to accept any excuses. Uh, I had a grass cutting job uh, working at the neighbors. He got me the job. So I went over there at 12 and now I'm cutting the neighbor's grass and I was leaving blades up and they, you know, called and told my father, my father made me go back there and then walk to the yard with the, with the father, with the man, uh, walk the yard with him, then redo it and give the money back yes. because we don't make excuses. And so I would say that for me, excuses is a way of not taking responsibility for the things that you've done wrong at times. Uh, and so I don't wanna be making excuses around that. When I blow it with my wife, on my best days, I, I can avoid making excuses. But Tommy, to be honest, man, I oftentimes, my brain is looking to give me some excuses as to why I shouldn't have to own up to that. Yeah, Eric, that's a great story as well. With me, uh, an event happened just this past week. I am delivering a team building diversity, equity, and inclusion training for a, uh, uh, a, an athletics department uh, at a college. Okay. Right? So, so we're working with all of their coaches. This is Division One mm -hmm. athletics. All their coaches, assistant coaches, administrators, support staff, et cetera. And uh, we only have two hours for the coaches and two hours for the support staff, two different sessions. During the support staff, which is support and administrators, et cetera, uh, I am kind of trying to work through a story to get to a point. Mm -hmm. And one of the individuals uh, in the class, uh, a male individual, has a, a name that his first and last name could be perceived as a first name. Okay. You know I mean? And so in my haste, trying to get to the point, I, I look at him. He is, he's looking at me and his look is encouraging. He's mm -hmm. gets it, et cetera. So I want to 
kind of include him very quickly into the story as I'm trying to make my point. And I refer to him by abbreviating his last name. Okay. His last name is Christopher. Right. And I said, isn't that right, Chris? Now, his first name is not Chris. Right. Right. And so I say it and, you know, I see a couple other folks look over at him and I didn't know what I said, but I'm, I'm hurrying to make my point. Right. Eric, I finished the session and in my mind as a facilitator, I'm running through the tape. Right. What worked well? What didn't work well? What, what joke, joke did I say that didn't land? What point did I make that did land? What? Oh, my goodness. I, I called him a name that wasn't his first name. I didn't call him his first name, and I abbreviated his last name. Right. No excuses. Let me give him a call. Right. And I gave him a call, and I said, I am so sorry. Uh, I was making a point this one time, and I referred to your name wrong. Right? He says, uh, it was a great session, Tommy. We're going to work on bringing you back because we need to do the part two. Um, and uh, let's, uh, we'll follow up with you. He didn't, he didn't even acknowledge. Right. Right? Right. So for me, as a winner, I had to be accountable mm. to that mistake. Mm. For him, as a winner, he wasn't going to poke the loser, if you will. Eric, oh, I, oh, I'm getting excited about this. He was like, all right, it was a great session right. because he knew I made the mistake. Right. He knew now that I knew I made the mistake. Let's move on. No I love sense. that. I love that, Tommy. I love that. I, I, I think, so let me say something around that and then we're going to move to the next one. But Tommy, I think that oftentimes the loser part of us, so I don't want to act like loser is a category that holds all people. Right. There's a loser part in all of us. And the loser part cannot fathom that owning, owning up to things can actually make you stronger. Mm. Yes, sir. The loser part can't see that. The loser part thinks that making excuses makes us stronger, owning our, uh, our shortfalls makes us weaker. I think that's what we have to grasp, Tommy, is that to be a winner, you have to be willing to accept responsibility for the things that go well, and definitely for the things that, uh, that don't go as well. And people are watching to see who you are. And if you make excuses, it really suggests, Tommy, that you're going to remain comfortable with losing. Yes. That's what excuses does. It, it, it leaves you in a place of defeat and not, not hitting the mark and being okay with that and, and sort of uh, explaining away things that you should be taking responsibility for and working through to try to improve those. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, Eric. That was spot on. Um, no excuses. Yeah, let's look at the next one. Uh, winners keep an open mind and learn what you can from anyone you can. Tommy, say something about that. Yeah, I mean, if, if you keep an open mind, 
you have uh, committed to learning. Uh, the open mind is that you don't know where the lesson is going to come from. Mm. You don't necessarily know where the teachable moment is going to come from. So if you're narrow-minded, if you will, uh, sometimes you put on your own blinders to your own success. Mm. So when you are open-minded, you are, you are exposing yourself to alternative solutions, right? Alternative solutions. And if you're a part of the team, and you're open-minded, then you're absolutely expanding the repertoire of tools for solutions. Because when a problem comes up, a winner will say, do I have the right tool for this problem? In sports, we have, it's called personnel. Do you have the right players or personnel in the game at that moment of the game, right? Because right now, in basketball, we need our bigs in, right? We don't need five little short point guards like me, right? We need our bigs. We need folks that will block the shot. But if I'm open, if if I'm if I'm open minded, I will see that. In business, I don't know. COVID pandemic hasn't proven that we need open minded leaders, open minded staff and employees. I don't know what has. We simply today need to need to be open-minded to see what other alternative solutions are available to us for survival, in some cases profitability, and in other cases, just simply to maintain. Mm. Right? So that's that's what I think about open-mindedness. Let me ask you the follow-up, Tommy. So what's the difference between being open-minded as a winner and being a pushover? Oh, great question. Uh, Open-mindedness is simply saying that you are willing and able to entertain, maybe even consider a different perspective, mm -hmm. a different experience. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. Mm -hmm. Being a pushover means that you acquiesce Ooh. to another perspective mm. and or experience without maybe challenging it, uh, finding evidence, it, it, it's, it's that you're overwhelmed by conformity bias. Mm. That's what being a pushover is. That you simply conform to another idea that may sound better or it's coming from a person that you believe has better ideas. Mm -hmm. So you simply acquiesce and you become right. the pushover. That's right. the difference. Right. And the pushover means that oftentimes you lack the courage to stand up for what's right. So you want to be open minded yep. uh, to people who are seeking to help us find be the best and better solutions. But you don't want to acquiesce to people that are literally trying to bully you or take over a situation. Yep. And so you have to be able to uh, to determine the difference between when it's time to be open minded and when it's time to, uh, to not be a pushover. Now, Tommy, is that easy? Let's look at just in a relationship standpoint. Is it easy to determine the difference between the two? No, it's not easy. Right. Uh, Eric, yeah, it's not easy. Eric, right. It's not easy for a number of reasons, but. 
you have to know that we as human beings, we have emotions. Yeah. And sometimes the emotion of love or like or appreciation or, or envy, uh, whatever may be the case, that may override our, our logical thinking. In other words, we may be in a loving relationship with our partner. And our partner says something to us that we may not have heard the entire comment or we may not even believe it, but out of our love for our partner, we acquiesce, mm-hmm. right? Now, not saying it's wrong to acquiesce, to, right. to you know, step back, but I just, you know, I don't think that's the best idea, but I love you. It must be right. You have our vested interest in mind. Ooh, let's go for it. Right. Down the road, it was a mistake. And what we need to do is not have excuses. Mm. Not follow up with, the, I, I shouldn't have believed you in the first place right. because of this. No, just sometimes emotions and logical thinking collide. And if we are, if we are cognizant, if I we are that. aware of ourselves, of we that. know that it's emotion and driving, good, or my logical analytical mind is driving. Let's both or all make the best step forward for the best possible desired outcome. I love this. I'm going to put one more at you, Tommy, here, and then we're going to move to the next one. Open-minded, pushover, defensive. Those are three options that are available to us. Are we going to be open-minded? Are we going to be a pushover? Or are we, in fact, going to be defensive? Now, I've got a thought about it before it runs out of my head. Let me say it, and then I want you to react. My thought, Tommy, is that it takes patience and pause sometime to make the right choice. Patience and pause. Somebody says something, it gets to you emotionally. Sometimes we, we, boom, we react. And I'm saying that pause first. Don't allow your emotions to speak first. As we pause, I think we give ourselves the freedom and the flexibility to try to choose the best response to every encounter that we might be in. You're, Eric, you're spot on again, the pause. Pausing, however, Eric, is a skill. Mm. It's a skill because if you are defensive, right? if you're defensive and someone is saying something to you that you want to defend, mm-hmm. it is unnatural for the most part, to pause right. and allow the other person to keep piling on. Right. That's right. So therefore, if you're defensive, someone says something, you want to defend it, and you pause, and then they say something else, you want to defend that, and you pause, they say something else, and you're getting buried in your defense or inability right. to defend yourself. So pausing is a skill. Right. When you're defensive, For the most part, if you are defending the truth, it doesn't matter how long you pause because you're standing on the truth. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear a lie or or a a distruth, if you will, you don't have to defend that. So the skill of pausing when someone is telling you something that's not true. Right. That pause is just silence. People aren't talking because at the end, when you give me the chance to talk, 
I'm going to say that's not true. Right. Not right. not defend. No, here's the word or the phrase or the no. So you're open minded to hear that other person's perspective. That's right. You are learning from that perspective. There may be a part of that perspective that is indeed informing you, such as maybe I wasn't clear in what I said or what I was directing. And they're informing me now through my open-mindedness that what I told them was incorrect. So I don't make an excuse. I told you something, it was incorrect. Now I'm moving to acquiesce and I'm acquiescing to say, tell me more, right? Where else did I mislead or miscommunicate or misinform? And therefore, I don't have to be as defensive. I've already made the game time adjustment, the right. conversational adjustment. Yes. And through pause, which is a skill which enables me to make those real time adjustments. Right. So I think it's a phenomenal question and phrase, Eric. They are, I think it's, I think they are one in part of a whole. Right. Right. That's right. Phenomenal. Okay. I said I was done with it, but I'm not. Yep. So this is a good one for us. So we're talking about winners here. Yep. So winners, when someone's communicating to me, try to start with a perspective of open-mindedness, trying to avoid being a pushover, trying to avoid being defensive, trying to ultimately deliver the best, most valuable response. That's and take the best, most valuable action. So that's the full circle of it. Uh, that winners are people that are open minded to listening. They don't want to be anybody's pushover. They've got something for that. They don't want to allow defensiveness to make them think that they're being a pushover. So they just defend and they ultimately want to get to the best, most accurate response to whatever perspectives are shared with them. Final thought. Sometimes in the, in the throes of the game, the throes of the interaction, the throes of the conversation, with the skill sets that you just mentioned, Eric, sometimes we have to Omaha, Omaha, and call it audible, right? In other Ooh. words, we, we have a plan, we have a strategy of how we're going to engage, how we're going to, how we're going to, proceed how we're going to win but in the midst of that immediate play we see an area where we can really gain advantage or we can really win the coach on the sideline may say ellis lewis run the play and we're saying coach we see a way we can win and it's not part of the the original play the open-minded leader who really wants to win may say, okay, Ellis, okay, Lewis, run your play, right? And if it doesn't work, we're not gonna go back to it again, son. But if you run the play and it works, we're gonna take a note of that, right? That that approach worked in that meeting with those people, right? So if I'm working across levels in the organization, sometimes we may need to change our approach to win. Some, some, sometimes we may need to change our approach in listening and hearing 
yeah. so that we can hear and listen differently to win as a group, not just win individually. There's no I in team. We've heard that. And people say there's an M and an E talking about me, but that's when we're doing semantics. Right, right. At the end of the day, we're trying to win. And Eric, some of us actually have different expectations of winning. Mm. Right? Some of us in winning, I just want to feel valued. Make me feel valued and I'm winning. Some of us are driven by accomplishments. So I want to check every box and you need to recognize my accomplishments. Therefore, I'm winning. Some of us are saying, are we all here? Yes, I'm winning because we're all here. We can use that professionally and personally. Mm. What you're talking about today, Eric, is spot on. I love that. Uh, Tommy, let me throw this one at you. Uh, winners know themselves and are honest with themselves. Uh, now, 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 before I get to that one, winners build other people up and help them succeed. I want you to talk about that because a couple of weeks ago with Kenny, we did talk about this notion of uh, resilience, the only option. And one of the uh, tips that uh, Ann uh, Grady had suggested is that when you are positive and complimentary to others, it builds you up. There's some endorphins that go off on the inside of you that allow you to become more resilient. And so I was even thinking about that this morning when I was talking to my son that, you know, as I just, you know, say positive things to him, you know, it's, 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 it's helpful to him, but it also gives, it, it strengthens my faith in him. And so talk about that when uh, winners build other people up and focus on trying to help them succeed. I'll add these two cents, Eric, and then would love to hear your reflection to it as well. My two cents is that uh, first, when, when you're building other people up, there's a phenomenon that happens whereby uh, the person that you're building up uh, really experiences the success or maybe experience the, the failure when you're building them up. So every time you're building someone up, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be successful. Sometimes right. they, they just move forward to learn faster by making a mistake or just try it. We talk about entrepreneurs all the time. I, you know, I've been wanting to be an entrepreneur for about 30 years. You know, just try it. And then they try it and they fail in a year and they say, yep, I didn't do something right. And you're like, you tried it. The reason why that's point number one, because the person who's lifting that other person up, they are really experiencing success and or failure outside of themselves. So they're learning from a little bit from afar, mm -hmm. right? And they don't want the other person to fail. So they want to lift them up so they can see themselves. Does it work? Does it work? Secondly, when you give good advice, when you encourage someone, when they do go and grow up and build up and move on, Hmm. It brings some the feeling, which is a real feeling of pride. Pride in that what you have learned or experienced can transfer to another person and they become successful or achieve something 
Therefore, it's the truth. There's right. some inalienable truths mm. that are transferable of life. So when you're talking with your son, Love you're that. referring back to lessons that you learned. You are applying it to your now life. And That's then you right. share with him and find out that it works. Right. Because it's a fundamental truth. Right. And that's when we then land on the rock of truth, the rock of, yep, when I motivate, inspire, and encourage mm -hmm. others about the truth, I can stand on the truth. I don't have to defend the truth. And right. I don't have to acquiesce to the lie because I stand on the rock of truth. Right. I love that, Tommy. Love it, love it, love it. Love everything you just said. And it reminds me of, you know, I have a recording studio below me. I started this, uh, you know, uh, going after music in 2009 because a little girl, Amber Robinson, was stabbed to death trying to stop a fight. So they asked me to come to the high school, Lakota West, and speak to the kids about making good choices. And I wanted to do something bigger than that. So I said, I'm going to change the music that young people listen to. To which my kids said, Mom, please make sure Daddy don't come to our school rapping. You know he's capable of anything. I, I didn't do that. <laughs> but the long and the short of it is, Tommy, that I developed a studio here. I've written over 300 songs myself, but I've got a recording studio downstairs. And I've had countless numbers of rappers that have come to my studio. Uh, most of them came under the guise of, Mr. Ellis, I want to help you achieve your vision. And so then I, I, you know, we thought, you know, we had a, a record label, positive message music, we, you know, we're signing contracts with people. And uh, and what's interesting, Tommy, is I would uh, build them up to help them succeed. And oftentimes I'd have a contract that would have me at 20 percent, them at 80. And I've had people that stayed here for a year or two. I've had rappers live here. Uh, and uh, and they weren't paying anything. Uh, but one day, if they made it, they were supposed to yield something back. And Tommy, a couple of them did have some breaks go their way. And they chose not to yield anything back mm -hmm. for all they had been given. Mm -hmm. You know what I did, Tommy, with those contracts? I didn't take them to court. Mm -hmm. I didn't try to fight them. I tore them up. Because you see, when you are building people up and trying to help them succeed, that is without, uh, you know, without seeking something in return. If they don't get this, that my building you up and trying to help you succeed is actually about you. What I get is the blessing of you succeeding, uh, you know, and uh, if you don't care to respond back to that, uh, favorably, some people might think I'm a fool uh, because uh, you use me. Well, nobody uses me. You know, I see that possibility all along. Yeah. And it is on you. Uh, a lot of people say that about Bishop Logan. Uh, Bishop Logan is a wonderful pastor there in Springfield. Uh, and people have come through and done things to him. And, 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 and Bishop Logan has, in the eyes of some, been a fool for people who just used him up and then went on with whatever blessings they get. Tommy, nobody can actually use you, can they? No, sir, they cannot. No. No. Building people up and trying to help them succeed, that has to mean that it's genuine. Mm -hmm. If you're building people up and trying to help them succeed only so that you might get something returned, is that a winner? 
Tommy? No. That's not being no. a that's not being and I'm not saying anything about people that are agents and all like that. You know, we're not talking about all that kind of stuff, but we're talking about this notion of if you're genuinely building people up and trying to help them succeed, then that is about them. It's not about you. And I think that that's the stuff that makes up winners. And Tommy, we don't see enough of that, do we? No, Eric, uh, we, we, we don't see enough of it, Eric. I want to I want to pause a little bit, Eric. Your, your, your words are, are landing on me uh, unexpectedly this morning. Uh, your words are landing on me a little bit unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Eric, I um, over the last several years, I've been, I've been trying to help people in my family circle and my friend circle with the resources that I've had, the connections I've had regarding jobs, cars, homes, all of this. And, and I've been doing this uh, to, to help them, but I've also had that, that verbal contract with them that I would be either respected or honored or some type of reciprocity yeah. I have. I've allowed people to live in my home yeah. where I would have otherwise said no. And I acquiesced to another person that I love that, that said, we, I, I need you to do this for, for me. And so I helped some, you know, I let people live in my home. I've given money by way of a service that was never delivered. Yeah. And I'm not talking about money that's, you know, 20 or $30. I know. I'm talking, to, I'm talking about thousands of dollars, Eric. Right. And as you were sharing, I, I have to really reflect and think about after our conversation today, there's two people that's come to mind. Do I rip up the, the contract, Eric? who I rip up the contract. One, one of them, Eric, I was going to take to court. Um, the, the, the service was never provided. The financial sacrifice is significant and I wanted something back. Yeah. I have since, by way of the blessings of God to my business myself, have quadrupled that investment. I have, Eric. I know, I already know. Yeah, right. I have. And, and right. so I'm stuck on some egotistic, I'm bitter, kind of chip on my shoulder contract where it's real, Tommy. I need I need to let that loose so as I go into this new year, I can receive the blessings that I am blocking myself. That's it. Eric That's Kelly it, Tommy. That's to it. That's, That's it. what That's I would do. It. That's it, Tommy. That's it. Because you can. Yep. And because you're strong enough to do it and because it releases you from that bad contract too. And, and you just get to walk on and say, I walked on. You didn't do anything to me. I walked on because it don't really matter. You can't hurt me. You can't disappoint me. Uh, maybe you, uh, it, it, it informs me of some lessons for the future. Yep. But as for that, 
that's over. I, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Because I already got somebody looking out for me, baby. I already got my benefactor. I already got my banker. You know, I don't need that. You know, that's between you and God. So I had something this week just happened, man, with somebody that I was really trying to build up and everything. And all the while they were calling me a fool. And then they really tried to take something that was mine. And they couldn't do it. Then they tried to come back to see if they could explain it away. And I didn't even invest anger in it. I did one of my father's moves. I'm not mad, just disappointed. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know how your daddy used to do that? No, son, I'm not going to whoop you anything. I'm just a little bit disappointed. Oh, <laughs> I went with the disappointment. And the other thing that I do, Tommy, is I forgive. Whether you've even asked for forgiveness or not. I forgive you. And I'll say I love you. And there's nothing that will stop that. Because as I say, I love you to people who have wronged me, that accrues something back to me immediately, Tommy. There are endorphins on the inside of me and dopamine inside of my brain that says, yes, you are doing the right thing. You've released them, which releases you. Because the anger and the bitterness about it that lives in your head is not hurting them. Don't even think about it oftentimes. So why would you let people continue to do harm to you? That's what winners do. That's what winners do on our good days. Sometimes, Tommy, the loser pardoned me. Thanks over. <laughs> and if the loser part comes, I'm about to go in on you. And we might be fighting anything. But that's the loser part in me. Because it thought that you actually had the power to take anything from me. You don't. You don't. That was a penance in terms of what my blessings are. And I walk away, not even wishing harm on you. You hear me, Tommy? Yeah. Not going to invest that. Yeah. I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to let it go. Now, I may not come back. No loans. I'll give in the future whatever I you know, can give. We won't go there no more. You know, uh, I'll give what I can because that's who I am, irrespective of who you are. Yeah. Eric, this is uh, <laughs> this is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. Right. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to selfishly take the words that you've shared, the questions that we've talked about today, uh, and I hope that our community does the same. You know, selfishly, how can we take it, and how can we selfishly share it, right? And and I say the words selfishly because I, like I want to be better. I want to be a winner. I want right. to surround myself with winners. Right. And I think that that's what I'm doing such that other folks may selfishly think of surrounding themselves with me. Right? Let's go, winners. Right? 
and and that's what my father used to say all the time. He was a treasurer at his church. He was a vice president of the NAACP at one time. He was a uh, a community and a corporate leader. And he would ask. He was. He would ask at the board meetings, um, who, who's not here? Because when they started board me meetings or they have certain committee meetings, folks will ask, go through the roll call, okay, who's here? Eric Ellis, present. Tommy Lewis, here, right? Duke Ellis, I got you, right? And so all the usual suspects would be there. And my father would ask, Who's not here? Mm. And then people will have to think like, uh, let's look at this roster and see who's absent. So no, that's not what I'm asking. Mm. I I'm asking of the people that we have not thought about and or invited to the conversation, who's not here? Are we talking with and about and for the right people. Mm. Sometimes leadership is a small group of people trying to make decisions for the majority. Right. But we don't have anyone from the majority, mm. right, around the decision-making table. Mm. And so I think we should be, as winners, we should be open-minded to do that, right? And we should go through the process of asking Who's not here? And if it's not today, it. maybe tomorrow we can have a conversation. That's mm. what motivates me every Saturday to come together with Eric Ellis to have these conversations. Right. I never know what I'm going to learn. And I'm ne I never know who's going to be around my proverbial mental board member saying, mm. go ahead and let that go. Mm. Go ahead and don't, don't give another excuse for that. Go ahead and just acquiesce and say that was a gift from me to you to uplift you thank right. you eric ellis for this conversation today well thank you tommy we're going into just a little bit of overtime today because we got off to a rickety start i want to ask you one last thing tommy because i'm gonna be gone for the next couple of weeks too so yeah. this is for the benefit of our community uh tommy and i i we may look to you like we are so excited and energized which we are but that's not the way we start a Saturday morning. No, no. We literally have had a week that has wrung it out of us. And it's almost like, wow, we had to get up and be here again. Yeah. But Tommy, without fail, every time we do this, man, the winner in us gets with the winner in the other person and it lifts and then we lift and lift. Yeah. And so I want to end with this last trait of winners. Uh, winners believe that everything is possible. And Tommy, I would say to you that that's the way that you and I have to live our lives, even when we don't, we're not convinced of that all the way. Uh, we have to believe and belief is my faith. My faith said it's the evidence of things hoped for and not yet seen. And so that's what I want to say to you all out there. There is a winner inside of everybody. But that winner has to believe that anything that you need is possible. 
Tommy, how has that part of Tommy Lewis allowed you to survive to this point? It has given me hope when hope unborn had died mm. in me. Right. It's given me hope. Uh, Eric, it has lifted me with blessings out of my bed, a mind full of worry and contempt to drive and to continue to work and drive and bring peace, happiness, value in other people and other organizations. It is my daily motivation now. It has been for some time, but I know exactly what it is. Because like you said, every, you know, by the time we get to Friday and Saturday, it's, it's, it's not always there. No. But, but it's, it, it, is, it is hands down, I would say for me, it's my why. Why do I exist? Why do I live? live? It, it, it is to build people, to build humanity, to build righteousness, peace, and serenity, and to eliminate hate and all the other isms and vices That's right. that prohibit us all, all of us, regardless of race, creed, gender, identity, all of us from being our full selves. That's what it does for me. Let me say this to the community. I want to say this to you specifically about Tommy Lewis right now. That when you watch Tommy and I talk and, and, and we start off the show talking about the week and what went, what went, went well, I want to make sure that you don't misunderstand what's being said. You see, every time, Tommy Lewis, I hear you talk about additional wonderful clients that you're working with, I remember back to those days that you and I, it was cricket. And we didn't have enough business. Mm -mm. We were trying to figure out how to keep the bills paid and the lights on. Every single time that you talk about that ever-expanding list of clients, I juxtapose that to the moments that we've had in 08, 09, when there was a great recession and we didn't have anything. It is the winner in you that had to believe then that everything is possible. So I'm just trying to say this right now, Tommy, because I don't want people to mistake what they hear when they hear us, you talk about your week. Because I know that there's gratefulness inside of you for all the work that you're doing now, because you can provide for others. And so it is the winner in you that had to sustain you through those droughts. And whenever there has been a drought, there's always a potential for more droughts. And so I'm grateful. Everything inside of me is jumping and flipping and dancing and saying, yes, Tommy Lewis is receiving that which is commensurate to the blessing and the gifts and the talents that God has poured in him. And I want everybody that hears us say this today, that you too have your gifts and your talents and your purpose. 
and let the winner inside of you believe that whatever God created you to do, you can get that done. And nothing or nobody can stop that, can they, Tom? Final word. Final words. It's been a blessing. It's been a joy. Uh, it's been a breath of fresh air as we go into this December timeframe, this holiday season, and go into 2022 to have diversity conversations with Eric Ellis. And as Eric takes his leave for the next couple of weeks or so, we may come back together at the end of the year or beginning of the year. Right, right. Uh, I would like to say that, uh, Eric, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am Tom. so blessed to love you, my brother. I am. It's great, man. Thank you. Me too, my brother. I love you too, man. Take care, community. Love each other. Keep growing. Keep learning. Be blessed. All right. Take Thank you.